preacher was out visiting an older man one day, and the preacher said, you know, brother, he said, at your age, you should be thinking about the hereafter. And the older man said, well, I do all the time, preacher. He said, no matter where I am, whether it's in the living room or it's in the upstairs or the kitchen of the house, I always ask myself, what am I hereafter? <laughs> I want you to get that question in your mind for a moment because it's a question with all seriousness. You see, we're not just put here to live and then to, you know, we're going to die one day. Yes, we are. But do you think about that? I've got a friend out in West Texas, and uh, he's a little younger than I am. And when we were living in the same town together and, and working together, I knew if I really wanted to get him riled up, it's just start talking about death. And you've got to realize, here's a guy who he believes in heaven more than anybody I know, just as much as we do. But he had a difficult time wanting to talk about it. And one day I said, you know, Jeff, I said, why do you struggle talking about death? He said, man, he said, you got to realize, he said, I'm having such a good time living here on this earth, and boy, he did. He's a teacher and works with teenagers, and I'm telling you, if there's anybody that loves life more than Jeff, I don't know. But he said, it's just this thought of that I'm going to die and that my loved ones are going to die. He said, it just kind of gets me worked up. I said, okay. That's good. He said, what do you mean? I said, it's good to be shook up by that and to be worked up by that because it helps remind us as God's people of this fact that there really is a heaven and there really is a hell. And knowing that we will one day die and knowing with sure faith that we're going to the next place that God has prepared for us, that is a beautiful thing to keep on the forefront of our mind. But there's a lot of Christian people who they just don't want to talk about it. Now, what I find is this. The older we get, the better heaven looks and the more we want to discuss it. But in our middle age on down, we just don't really want to talk much about that. We're going to do a lot of reading today from God's Word. One of the things that you'll find as we're going through this Believe series, we're looking at several sets of scriptures. Typically in my preaching, I will just take one uh, text and work from that within the context. And so... A lot of scriptures are going to be thrown at us this morning, just like we have in the previous weeks. And just like if you're going to Bible class, you'll notice there's a lot of scriptures uh, that we're looking at. And that, that's a good thing. There's a scripture in 1 John chapter 5, where the Apostle John says this in verse 11. He says, and this is the testimony 
God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Aren't you glad to know that when we talk about eternity and we talk about this idea of eternal life, it's not some abstract thing out there that the writers of the Bible wanted to just kind of leave in secret. They wanted to put it out there, as we read in Ecclesiastes, eternity has been set in our hearts. And so it's something that we need to get a little more comfortable with in our discussions and especially in our teachings. Now, C.S. Lewis once said this. He said, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Philip Yancey wrote, and he put it this way. He says, although most of us believe in an afterlife, no one much talks about it. He says, Christians believe we will spend eternity in a splendid place called heaven. And then he asked this question, which I thought was good. Isn't it a little bizarre that we simply ignore heaven, acting as if it really doesn't matter? And I think he says that because we live our life and we just live from moment to moment and from time to time and we don't really think about what's next. But yet we live in a world today where we realize we are so bound by time. We want to know what's next. We want to know what's coming up. And people do all kinds of things to predict the future. They make predictions about what's going to happen in the new year. And then movies and TV shows give us this picture of what people think will happen in the future. And then you have futurists out there that predict major changes that they see coming in the future. But you know what, folks? As Christian people, let's reel back in for a minute and let's understand this. Those are only guesses. No one really knows what's going to happen from moment to moment and day to day. And in the next five years, nobody really knows that other than God himself. And what we learn in Scripture is, since God has set eternity in the hearts of men from the beginning to the end, since He is the one that's in control of all things, as you turn and start reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read the Gospel story, one of the things we realize is what's really important, what's essential in this life, is just denying ourselves, taking up the cross, and every day learning what it means to follow after Jesus. And when you follow Jesus, and when you read about his life, guess what is a part of that? Realizing that at once, at some point in your life, you are going to die. You are going to pass from this life. But Jesus gives us hope. He gives us this idea that there really is a future for my believers. Now, before we look at some of those examples, I want to take you back to the very beginning of time. 
You read the first two chapters of the Bible in Genesis 1 and 2. They tell about this beautiful world as God intended it. And if you know the story, you know that at the end of each day, God had created something and he made everything and he said, and this is good. And then as the story goes on, you know, sin enters the picture and we broke that perfect creation. Because sin separates us from a holy and loving God. And so then you just fast forward through all of Scripture. What you see is this beautiful love story. It's a story of God coming back for his people. It's a story about God and he's on this chase and he's coming after us. And he sets in our hearts this important thing called redemption. That he's wanting to redeem us. He's wanting to buy us back. So even though sin creeps in, he doesn't give up, does he? Aren't you glad to know that you serve a God, a Father that's in heaven, that's not giving up on you? And not only is he not giving up, he has a home. He has a place in eternity reserved for you. You know, we live in a time today where if you're going to stay in a hotel or a condo or whatever, you better book that reservation. You better have that place to stay because we live in a busy culture and people travel and, and rooms fill up. Guess what? Jesus says, in my house, there are many rooms. And I mean, since he wrote that, We've been, on a, we've been on this kick as scholars and theologians to try to figure out, wonder how many rooms will there be in heaven? Folks, you know what? I really would not worry about that. What I would worry about more than anything is, am I going there? Because he says, if I go and I have a place prepared for you, you know what? That's all we need to know, Right? The reservation has been made. And so we spend the rest of our life living in light of that fact. Well, then you turn over to Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, and you begin to realize, you know, this thing called eternity that God has planned for us is not just some pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. It is God fixing what we broke. It's this beautiful picture of God making and remaking creation forevermore. It's this idea that a new heaven and a new earth and a new holy city, as John calls it, is prepared for us. It's you and me, not because we're perfect, not because we're good, but because we're forgiven and we're made clean and we're washed whole by the blood of God. Of Jesus and that my friends is what makes it worthy for us to be able to say one day I have plans to go to heaven Amen. isn't that a beautiful thing to say Amen. and so this big question is so what happens after we die and I'm asked today in one lesson 
to answer that. Well, I can tell you what, I'm not going to be able to answer all your questions today about eternity. Not even going to try. That's a whole series in and of itself. And Greg, Greg made the point in our class this morning, there's a whole lot of other things we can talk about that goes along with this topic. And we'll do that. But I want to share some scriptures with you this morning that maybe will open our hearts and open our minds to get us to think about the future. This idea that there is a heaven and a hell and that Jesus will return to judge all people and to establish his eternal kingdom. And so the application is simply this. So what difference does that make in the way that I live right now? Well, turn over to John chapter 14, and I want you to hear these words that Jesus speaks, words of comfort to his disciples. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And then it was Thomas that said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I'm glad you asked. And he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you will know my Father as well, and from now on you do know him and have seen him. Now leave it on that screen right there for a moment. Also, since that has been written, everybody's been on this kick to think, well, now I'm not sure it really means that. Surely there's another way to heaven besides just through Jesus. Folks, you can say it's relative or not. You can really say and believe whatever you want to on it. But this is the way it happens. And the way I see it is this. If God is our Father in heaven and Jesus is the Son, they really have the right to establish and do how they want to do. Correct? And what really matters to us is not debating that and discussing that, but understanding this is the way and this is where I want to go because Jesus is there. And to me, that ought to settle it. That ought to be enough. Knowing that we have an opportunity to go to a place where our Father is, where our Creator is, and that His Son who gives us life, we have an opportunity to go there, and Jesus says, here's the way it happens. And so here you have the gospel in the face of death. Gospel meaning good news. So you have good news in the face of death. And you've got to realize for the disciples at this moment, man, I mean, this is hard. This is tough because they've been following 
after Jesus and they just cannot comprehend. They don't understand why there will come a day where he won't be with them in person. But in his teaching and in a loving way, he basically says, you've got to believe this and you've got to let me go because this is part of the bigger plan. This is part of God's bigger plan that he has laid out for us. But the good news is, if I go, and when I go, I'm going to prepare this place, and I'm going to come back for you. That's a promise. That's not a, I might be there for you, and kind of leave us living on the edge. That is a promise that I'm coming back again. And so in a nutshell, what is eternity? Eternity simply defined as this. It means that it just goes on, that there's not an end. And on the surface, it sounds great. But when we're faced with death, with what looks like an ending, the prospect of the never ending sounds really good, doesn't it? But is that all eternity really is? Well, the good news is, God's eternity is more than a life that doesn't end. It's a new life, as John will write about. It's a new place, but it's a place that God prepares. It's a place that God has built. And so the good news about eternity is, it's not just that we live forever, but that we can live in a world that's built by God, and we will be in His presence does that not get you fired up knowing that one day you'll pass from this life only to realize you get to go to be in the presence of Jesus and you know there's a lot of stuff that we live here in this life that we argue about that we chase after and all of that but you know what None of it compares to what will happen one day. Amen. Folks, as Christians, we need to be reminded of this fact. This world is not our home. Don't get too comfortable. I mean, I know some of you like to hold on to that church pew. Don't get too comfortable with it because there's more to life than sitting right here. And to realize that God has built this place for me and for you, wow, that is amazing, isn't it? Because we look at our little lives and we think, man, of all the times that I've denied you and all the times that I you know, could have lived for you but I didn't, and yet you still have a place for me? Yes, he does. If he didn't, the story would have ended in Genesis chapter 2. But it didn't. He goes on this long chase of coming after us. You realize when we come back home and we come to our senses like we see in the prodigal son, does God just sit there and wait for us? What's the picture there? The picture is of a father who's meeting us halfway. I mean, 
he starts the journey too. And he's walking toward us. And I know you're getting real nervous because I'm getting really close to some of you right now. But that's God. Man, God just, God's on the move. God's just not there. He's everywhere. And he has set eternity in our hearts from beginning to end so we can realize there really is more to life than right now. And understanding that ought to really make a difference in the way that I live my life and in the way you live your life right now. We need to talk about it more. We need to be excited about it more. And we need to realize, yeah, I almost fell, didn't I? I know you would have loved that. That would have been a good laugh. We need to realize God loves us that much. That's beautiful to understand. And so I want you to hear some of these scriptures. I want to fast forward to Revelation chapter 5. And I want you to hear these words. This is part of what John was allowed to see about what God has planned for you and me and for eternity. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. I mean, everybody's catching on to it. What a scene. What a picture. And then toward the very end in Revelation chapter 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, John says, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there's no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride for his people. And I heard a loud voice on the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. You take those revelations and you take what John said in John chapter 14 if we truly believe that God has prepared an eternal home for us, here's some things that we're going to experience. We can live with hope every day. Now, listen to me. You can live with hope every day regardless of the circumstances that'll come. Because we're all going to have circumstances, right? I mean, we're going to have some circumstances. But we can still live with hope every day. And we can love people. And here's the exciting part. We can love them with freedom 
and we can be bold about it. There's a difference in just loving somebody and loving them wholeheartedly and loving them with freedom and loving them with a boldness. When you love somebody with a boldness, you'll do whatever it takes to go to that person. You'll do whatever it takes to communicate to that person about the great love for God that he has for them and the hope that is there, not just for you, but for everybody. And that's the exciting thing that we have opportunity to teach. And we're able to lead more people because of that and as a result into a relationship with Christ. You know why? Because we can't help but share this good news that we have. So back in the 1600s, mid-1650s, there was a man by the name of Blaise Pascal. He wore many hats. He was an inventor, he was a mathematician, he was a physicist, and he was a theological writer. And in the mid-1650s, he wrote a work called The Penzies. And contained in that writing, which ironically wasn't formally published until after he had died, was this apologetic argument that became known as Pascal's Wager. And the basis of his thought had to do with this human gamble regarding eternity. And here's what he said about it. He says, God is or he is not. But to which side shall we incline? He says, reason can decide nothing here. There's an infinite chaos which separated us. And he says there's a game being played at the extremity of this infinite distance where heads or tails will turn up. Then he goes on to say, which will you choose then? And he said, let us see. He said, since you must choose, let us see which interests you the least. He says, you have two things to lose, the true and the good, and you have two things at stake, your reason and your will, your knowledge and your happiness. And your nature has two things to shun, error and misery. And he says, your reason is no more shocked in choosing one rather than the other, since you must of necessity choose but your happiness. And so he says, let us weigh the gain and the loss in wagering that God is. And if you gain, you gain all. But if you lose, you lose absolutely nothing. So wager then without hesitation that he is. And so in a nutshell, here's what he concluded. He said that belief in a God who says he's provided life for eternity makes for a potentially healthier and happier life than not believing. Because he says the consequences for not believing far outweigh those for believing and the rewards of believing are far greater than not believing you know I'm glad we live in a time today where we can open up God's word and as smart educated people we can come to grips and come to realize 
We don't have to wager on this. We don't have to bet on it. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's a God and there's a heaven and a home waiting for us. And knowing that not everybody buys into that gives plenty of room for us to live our life and to teach and to model. Here's why I believe in a place called heaven. For the past years in our community, I'm called upon quite a bit to do funerals for family members and for individuals who two things happen. A, they don't really have a relationship with God. Therefore, they don't have what we're used to. They don't have a community of faith. They don't have a church family. But in those conversations leading up to the funerals, I've had some deep talks and thoughts from people about life, about death, about heaven, about hell. And I'll be honest, it's really, as a preacher, it's really opened my eyes to never take for granted where we're going but to live one day at a time expecting to be there. And to also realize that not everybody understands that. And not everybody knows what that's about. I'm thankful for those conversations, and I always leave thinking how blessed I am to be a Christian and how blessed I am to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that by faith I'm going to another place someday and it's going to be a lot better than this how do I know that God has promised us that and by faith I've bought that not everybody buys it I get that and I love having conversations with those people because they're searching and they want to know more and last time I looked, I also realized, are we not searching as well? And to ever say that we've arrived or that we've got all the answers, Lord, help us if we ever say that. Because we don't. But we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's coming back. And in Revelation 22, Jesus says... I'm coming soon. He who testifies to these things, things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And the last words of the Bible I want to leave with you this morning. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. And the church said, Amen. Let's stand as we sing this song today.